Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 27. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. So you pass through the gate, which is 30 feet wide. That's a pretty big gate. And the very first thing that you happen upon is the brass altar where the blood sacrifices were made. And no one, listen, no one, no one, underscore no one, could enter without the shedding of blood. There was no drawing close without the shedding of blood. And so as the people came, they would bring their sacrifices and they would shed blood for their sins. And how many, as they would shed the blood every day for the sins of the people, how many untold millions of animals were offered on this brass altar? How many multiplied millions of gallons of blood were poured out there? How many times was the story of Jesus enacted and told? And retold and retold again and again and again as the people came and poured the blood on the altar. Through the blood of the sacrifice, entrance was gained. And so we fast forward, are you listening, to the New Testament. And Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this. Hold your finger here in Exodus. Go with me again to Hebrews. Come on, we're going to be Bible travelers tonight. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus is the fulfillment of all this. If you understood that, say amen. Now look at this here. Hebrews chapter 10. I love this. And you're going to love it too. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse, look at verse 1. Hebrews 10 verse 1. You looking at it? For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of those things, can never with these sacrifices, these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then in verse two, would they have not ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified would have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a what saints, a reminder of sin every single year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away their sins. Therefore, in verse five, when he, Jesus, came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. And then I said, behold, I've come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God, previously saying sacrifice and burnt offerings and offerings for sin. You did not desire nor have pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. And then he said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. Note this, saints, would you? He takes away the what? 
first that he may establish the what? Second, by that will we have been sanctified through, would you read these last few words with me? Through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. Do you understand that all that we are reading and all of the sacrifices and all of the blood that was shed was all pointing to Jesus, was all looking forward to the day when Jesus would be tied to the altar, when Jesus would die on the cross, where Jesus would become the fulfillment of all of these sacrifices, where Jesus would bring to completion. This is what he meant when he said that he came to fulfill the law. He didn't say he came to obliterate it. He didn't say he came to destroy it. He came to be the fulfillment of it. The altar was the place of the shedding of blood. This altar. You know, Ricky Ryan, Sunday, were you here? He said something. It was great. It was great. But that guy got more energy in one pinky. I thought I was energetic. (laughs) And he said something Sunday that I went away thinking about. He pointed out, don't you remember, he said this. No other religion, he said, sings worship to their God like Christians. Remember he said that? And worship and the sacrifice of praise, he said, is unique to Christians. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? There's something else that is unique to Christians. There are many things that are unique to Christians. But here in our text, there's something else unique to Christians. No other religion, think about this, has like a brazen altar. No other religion. Oh, you've got the New Age people, and they have no brazen altar. You've got the politically correct people, and, and there's a religion. And, and, and they're nice people who want to have a nice religion and do nice things and say nice things. And, well, they're just nice. But they have no brazen altar. They have no place of sacrifice. On this brazen altar, a sacrifice was made for the S word. What's that, Rodney? Sin. You know, here at Calvary, let me tell you something. We still do talk about the S word. If that's okay, say amen. Amen. It's going to be okay. We talk about the S word. We talk about the B word. The blood. We talk about the R word, repent, because that gives us the L word, life. Somebody say amen. Amen. There are plenty of churches today, unfortunately, saints, that do not talk about the S word, that do not talk about the B word, that do not talk about the R word because it might hurt people's psyche and it might hurt their self-image and their self-esteem will be lowered. You know, some folks need their self-esteem lowered. That's the truth. I mean, some people need their self-esteem. The problem is their self-esteem. And that's why they have a problem with the S word. Because the problem is their self-esteem. Listen, I'm going to help you tonight. You're going to be glad you came tonight. I'm going to help you with your self-esteem. Listen, this is going to help you out. The Bible says that we are sinful through and through. The Bible says that you are, we are 
desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17 says we are miserable, wretched, desperately wicked. You are a bunch of miserable, wretched people. I'm just trying to help you. And God is calling men, listen, to the R word. God is calling men to repent and to turn away from their sins and to turn to him and be washed in the B word, the blood, so that we can have real self-esteem. You know, real self-esteem comes from knowing Jesus and knowing who you are in Christ and receiving forgiveness and receiving love. You see, when you receive forgiveness and you receive love and you know who you are in Jesus, you'll have no, no problems with self-esteem because you'll understand I am what I am because of him. Jesus done it all. He's paid it all. No other religion has this place of sacrifice. No other religion talks about sacrifice and a brazen altar. You got all this new age stuff out there and people going up on mountains, sitting in a lotus position and um and study their navel, navel and all this. No, Christianity, we talk about a brazen altar, a place of sacrifice, very unique. Notice in verse 9 through 19, we just read it. So the altar, you're still with me, was to be 150 feet long holding up a fine white linen on the east and on the west, right around in verses, uh, right around verses 11 through 15 on the east and on the west, it was to be 75 feet long. The gate of the courtyard was 30 feet wide, which as I said, is a long wide gate and the gate you want to notice saints was located on which side? The east side, very good, which is the same side of the tabernacle door. You also want to notice that the gate was woven of four colors, blue, purple, scarlet, white. Blue, saints, Calvary Chapel people, help me out. Blue is the color of what? Heaven. Purple is the color of what? Royalty. Scarlet is the color of what? Suffering. And white speaks of what? Righteousness. This gate is blue, purple, scarlet, and white. It's 30 feet wide on the east side. And notice this gate on the east side, and get this, saints, was the only way into the courtyard. Was the only way into the courtyard. Now, there was only one way into the tabernacle. And that was through the east gate. Now, again, try to picture with me. I'm putting your minds to work tonight. Try to picture with me again. The tribes are situated around the tabernacle. The camp of Reuben, some of you will find this interesting. The camp of Reuben was on the south side. And the number within the tribe of Reuben of people was 151,400. The camp of Dan was on the north side and they numbered 157,600. The camp of Ephraim was on the west side and they numbered 108,000. And the camp of Judah, listen, was on, was the largest, pardon me, the largest tribe and it was on the east side side, the east gate, where the gate was, the tribe of Judah, 
And they were the largest number, 186,400 people. They were camped on the east side. Now, don't you remember, listen close. The Bible says when Jesus comes back, he's going to enter through what gate? The east gate. Very good. The east side is where the camp of Judah was. And Judah means what? Praise. You know what I see there? If you are going to enter into the courts of God, you have to come through Judah and you have to come through praise. Isn't that true? I mean, think about this wanderer. He's traveling. He's coming upon the tabernacle. It's beautiful. It's majestic. He sees all of these tents. And by the way, if you get an aerial view of the tabernacle and the tribes that are situated around the tabernacle, if you got up in a helicopter and you looked down, you would see the form of a cross. That's what God saw. So this person and they're wandering through, they see this majestic, awesome structure all of these tents, and, and, and as he's coming toward the east, there's 186,400 tents in front of this east gate. And he's thinking, I want to get close. I want to get in there. I want to see what's going on. Hey, can I get into the courtyard? He would have to come through the tribe of Judah. Excuse me, excuse me, uh, excuse me, can I try to get up front? Excuse me, can I, can I, can I get up there? He'd have to come through the tribe of Judah. He'd have to come through praise. And I believe God is saying to us, if we want to get into his presence, you have to come through praise. You have to come through praise because this is what you're created to do. We're created to praise the Lord. We're created to worship God. And if you're really going to get into the presence of God, I have noticed some of the times when I have felt most close to God actually have been in this room. Now, I'm not saying that if you're not here, you can't get close to God or you can't pray someplace else. I'm just simply saying in the times that we have had worship and praise and everybody's hearts are gathered because that's true. That's important. It's important to come with a heart to praise the Lord, not just running in. Because traffic was bad and the weather was bad and got a chicken sandwich for the kids and just got off work and got off late. Oh, I got to get in here. Finally. No, but when you get in here and you say, God, I'm here. I'm here to praise. I'm here to worship. I'm here to hear from you. So you got to put something in worship to get something out of worship. I've learned that. You know, if you think you're going to come in and Steve Leslie and the worship team is going to get you into the place of praise and worship. That ain't going to happen. I mean, they're good and all that. That's not a, that's not a, amen. (laughs) But it's not going to happen. If you want to get in God's presence and you want to get in the courtyard, if you will, and get close to God, you have to come through praise. You have to come through Judah, if you will. And I have found in those times where I've just said, Lord, I'm offering you a sacrifice of praise. Because you praise the Lord even when you don't feel like it. Isn't that true? Matter of fact, I find I get the most out of worship when I praise the Lord and I didn't feel like it. I mean, believe it or not, there are times that I come to church that I do not feel like being here. (laughs) Maybe we better edit that part. I don't know. (laughs) 
there are times, of course there are. I'm human, of course it is. Times you go, oh, I don't know if I really want to go. But you come anyway because you know that there's blessings in the house of the Lord. You come anyway because you know that when I get here, I'm going to be glad I came. When I leave, I'm going to be so happy I came and I got a word from God and I heard something from God and I worship God even when I didn't feel like worshiping God. And those are the times where you get the most out of worship and that's what's called a sacrifice of praise. You know, praise is not praise if there's nothing put into it, like a sacrifice of praise. I'm sick in my body. I'm going to worship God anyway. So we praise the Lord and we worship the Lord and we get in God's presence through praise. You want to notice also, saints, the door. The only door is located on the east side. And there was only one way to get in. There weren't any back doors, any side doors, any trap doors. There was one door, one way, and if you want to get into fellowship with God, you have to come the one way. Listen, I don't need to tell you, the picture is clear. It couldn't be more plain. Jesus is the only way, the only door to get into the presence of God. What, only 20 people agree with that? Amen. And he said in John chapter 10, he said, John 10, 9, he said, I am the door. Jesus Christ is the only way into the presence of God. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. You know, with statements like that, that people accuse Christianity or Christians of being exclusive. And they say, you Christians, you guys are so narrow-minded. You guys are so narrow-minded, you're just exclusive. You mean to tell me, I've had people say this to me, and you probably have too. You mean to tell me that if you don't come to, through Jesus, you cannot go to heaven. People say that. You mean to tell me that? I'll say, no, that's not what I mean to tell you. I, that is not what I mean to tell you. I would love to tell you that you can get to heaven any way you choose. I would love to tell you that. That's not what I mean to tell you. That's what Jesus means to tell you. That had y'all going for a minute, didn't I? <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> Why have I been in this church for 10 years? <laughs> you see, you see, that's what Jesus means to tell you. I didn't say that. I don't have a heaven or a hell to send you to. You understand? You, you, you're not telling anybody anything. It's not your word, it's his word. So when people say, you mean to tell me, I go, no, that's not what I mean to tell you. Well, what do you mean? Well, what do you mean? <laughs> I'll tell you what I mean if you tell me what you mean. Because I don't mean to tell you that. But you think I mean that, but I don't. See, that's the thing. Get them confused. Get them off balance. <laughs> then you can lead them to the Lord. Yeah, yeah there you go. That's how you do it. That's twisted. And, uh, no, that's not what I mean to tell you. That's what Jesus says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say I was one of many ways. He did not say I'll show you the way. Jesus did not say I'll teach you the way. He said I am am the way. That is a radical, radical statement. 
Is it exclusive? It certainly is. It's very, Christianity is very exclusive. Jesus doesn't say, well, you know what? I am one of many ascended masters. (laughs) He didn't say it. He says he is the only way to get to heaven. And you either look up, believe and live or not, and you die. That's what Jesus said. You Christians are so narrow-minded. Yeah, that's true. You know, when people say I'm narrow-minded, that actually is a compliment. Amen. Amen. That should be a compliment to you. Don't get upset because you're narrow-minded. Of course you're narrow-minded. You should be narrow-minded. Jesus said that we should be narrow-minded. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus talking about narrow, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. And there are many who go on it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. When somebody tells you you're narrow minded, that should be a compliment. And you're not being narrow so that you can be exclusive so that people can go to hell. You are being narrow minded because Jesus said he was the only way. He said he was the only way to get to the father. In Acts chapter four and verse 12, it says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is the same thing that Jesus said, I am the way. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. Don't you understand? These are all very narrow statements. They were so narrow, the Jewish people, when he said, I am, they about pulled their hair out of their heads. And they grabbed him and they took him and they crucified him because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, when he said, I am, that is a statement of deity. Lord, who shall I say sent me? (laughs) Tell them, I am that I am. That's a statement, that is a term, that is a name that is reserved for God and God alone. That is why the Jewish people wanted to kill him, because he was making himself to be God by saying, I am. If you understand, say amen. Amen. This is the problem. It's a very, very narrow thing to say. No other name given among men by which we must be saved. Well, verse 20 In verse 21, let me read it again. Have a few comments. We wrap it up. And you shall command the children of Israel. Are you looking at it? Say amen. Amen. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. And it shall be a statute forever to their generation on behalf of the children of Israel. Now, listen, give me your attention. God takes us back. Actually, are you listening into the tabernacle area to talk about the lampstand? 
you want to notice that the priests were to tend the lamps. The priests were to make sure that the lampstand, remember the menorah that was in the only source of light? There was no natural light in the tabernacle. The only source of light was the menorah, the seven golden lampstand. And the priests were to tend to that lampstand to make sure the lamp had oil in it. They needed to take care of the lamp and to trim the wicks on the lamp. And God never wanted that lamp to lose its fire. It was to burn continually. So God said the people, did you notice from our text, they were commanded, the children of Israel, to bring in verse 20, to bring pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. Notice from evening until morning. Do you know this is God's time clock? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.